Welcome to today's broadcast. My name's Lark. Super excited to see you here. As always, we have lots of big news to cover today. Of course, always lots of things happening in the cryptocurrency market. Never a dull day, even the dawn of the days when it's kind of boring and the volume's down. There's not much price action happening. There's usually some fundamental stuff happening in the background. It's pretty damn exciting. So what is happening in the cryptocurrency space today? Well, we had big news in the grayscale Bitcoin ETF case versus the SEC. The SEC has been taken down a bit of a notch, humbled a bit by U.S. judges. I want to cover that story with you. Also, some really big fundamental stories that could be bringing hundreds of millions of users into the cryptocurrency market. And while there's a lot of exciting things happening, there's still these storm clouds in the background of the global economy and the bond markets and all the dysfunction that's happening and so many charts out of the USA, which we're not going to be covering in this episode. But one thing that has been a big storm cloud on the horizon is China. And I want to talk about that with you today in a future cast, uh, a future stream. And then also just in the future, we'll cover some of that crazy economic data out of the USA as well. But today we're going to talk about China. So make sure to stick around in the stream to get that story as well. Of course, shout out to everyone joining today on the live stream. Super excited to see you guys here. I see you in there in the chat. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Of course, if you're watching this over on the X app as well, welcome. And of course, for those of you listening on the podcast, we repost this later, either on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Super excited to have you in the conversation as well. So let's get into this. Bitcoin ETFs have just got a major boost in the eyes of the public because Grayscale has been fighting the SEC in court for a while now, and they won. The judges have sided with Grayscale against the SEC, which a lot of people are speculating is going to clear the way for the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust to be converted into a Bitcoin ETF and for all these other Bitcoin ETFs to be approved in the not-so-distant future. This is the second big win for the industry given by judges in America this year. Of course, the first really big one was the XRP battle when Ripple won their court case, where the SEC was arguing that, well, XRP is a security. Ripple, the company, said, no, XRP is not a security. The judges agreed with them. So it's been a bad year for the SEC, although they have had some small wins. For example, they extorted a bunch of money out of an NFT project basically arguing that nfts are securities which is ridiculous because if nfts are securities then pokemon cards are securities and collectible watches are securities and rare cars are securities and your mom's a security everything's a security anyway big day for the bitcoin markets in particular because this is a very bitcoin centric story although a Bitcoin spot ETF approval, you know, is going to open the door to an Ethereum ETF approval. One and then the other. Happened in Canada, where basically they had Bitcoin ETFs approved one week, two weeks later, maybe three weeks later, they had Ethereum spot ETFs in the market. And there was demand for Ethereum spot ETFs, just like there is for Bitcoin spot ETFs. Now, before we fully dive into this story... Let's take a quick look at the charts. Obviously, the markets reacted well to this story. We bounced off that key area of price support, which is right around $26,000. 
pushing the price back up for a daily close above the 200-day exponential moving average. That also put the daily MACD into a bullish crossover and saw the RSI exiting its oversold territory and shooting all the way from 27 up to about 52. So the RSI doubling today. Pretty interesting stuff. Now, I do want to point out here that much like when we saw the BlackRock Bitcoin ETF story, people get really excited, things go crazy, and then people kind of forget about it, just like happened with the XRP case. Everyone's very excited, things going crazy, and I think XRP is basically fully retraced from the, from the pump, and people it's like people forgot, like, yeah, XRP is not a security anymore. Pretty big news, which means most altcoins are probably not securities either. Also big news. And this win for XRP, this win for Grayscale also paves a likely victory for Coinbase. Because I don't know what the SEC is even arguing anymore with Coinbase because basically everything's already been smacked down on them in court. So a Coinbase victory is going to be another big um middle finger to the SEC by the industry. So pretty interesting to see the price action today in reaction to that news, but don't get too overly excited. We still have a lot of things that need to play out in this regard. The SEC has time to appeal, but not necessarily going to approve the other spot Bitcoin ETFs. They could, and we're going to talk about that, but just don't FOMO. Relax. Well, yeah, we got time here. Hopefully, hopefully, of course, uh, also, one quick note on the weekly charts here. I think this is also very interesting. The 200-week exponential moving average is where we also saw a bounce from. So that's been the second test since the initial breakout above of this cycle, since the initial breakout above the 200-week exponential moving average, which happened back in March. This is the second retest of that. So far, it was a bounce, but we'll see. We'll see again. We're going to be moderating our excitement until we see an actual Bitcoin ETF approval because a win in court does not mean a Bitcoin ETF approval necessarily. So here's some interesting commentary I found around the interwebs for you. Uh, it's from James Seifert, who's in um, works over at Bloomberg. He says, I've read through and digested a bit. This is a complete and utter rebuke of all the SEC spot Bitcoin ETF denial orders. There is no wiggle room. Basically, all the SEC's arguments have been shot down here. Although the decision will still go to the uh, SEC to either approve Bitcoin ETFs or appeal or try and bring in some other sort of things that they disapprove of around Bitcoin ETFs. In the judgment today, the judge said the commission's unexplained discounting of the obvious financial and mathematical relationship between the spot and futures markets falls short of the standard for reasoned decision making. Let me just break that legalese down for you. The SEC has been doing stupid stuff, making stupid decisions. Because this is the insanity of them denying spot Bitcoin ETFs. They've approved Bitcoin futures ETFs. So if the price data is good enough, because they're getting it from the same place they're going to get it from the spot Bitcoin ETFs, if the price data is good enough for billions of dollars worth of Bitcoin futures ETFs, 
then there's absolutely no reason why it's not good enough for Bitcoin spot ETFs. And it's illogical and unreasonable to continue to argue that it is. Katie Hahn pointing out some interesting information here as well. The three judges ruled the SEC failed to adequately explain its disparate treatment of one BTC ETF such as such that its denial was arbitrary and capricious. Legal speak for bad job. In doing so, the SEC didn't follow the basic principle that similar cases should be treated similarly. Yes, they have been specifically targeting these spot Bitcoin ETF products. I guess they're just trying to give as much time as possible for BlackRock and Co. to gobble up coins. I mean, how many coins do they need? I guess all of them. They want all of them. She says, it's encouraging to see how other branches of government, the judiciary, are serving as important checks and balances to these enforcement agencies like the SEC. Next step is the SEC either grants or denies Grayscale's position since unan unanimity here disfavors appeal. So basically, all the judges agreed the SEC is acting in a ridiculous manner. And so if the SEC appeals, they're appealing against a unanimous decision by judges, which is not a super favorable situation for them. And she says, in the event that the SEC denies Grayscale's petition, they're going to need a much more compelling explanation than they originally provided. So they're going to have to find new reasons to try and deny this whole price concern that apparently was not a concern for futures products, but is a concern for spot products is not actually a concern. So we'll see what the SEC comes out with next. Jake Travinsky weighing in here, a uh, lawyer who works in the blockchain space, says Grayscale's victory over the SEC is massive. It's very rare for a federal circuit court to find that an agency has violated the APA by acting arbitrarily and capriciously. The DC circuit just delivered a huge embarrassment for the SEC but the ETF is not approved yet. Very important to note. This is not an approval of Bitcoin ETF today. This is a court case about a company trying to get a Bitcoin ETF. He goes on, the DC circuit soundly rejected the SEC's view that Grayscale's ETF proposal was not designed to prevent fraudulent and manipulative acts and practices. The SEC has spent a full decade denying spot Bitcoin ETF proposals under this reasoning. That era has now come to an end. Judges have shot it down. But the court didn't order the SEC to approve Grayscale's ETF proposal, just said the SEC's analysis on the fraud and manipulation issue was wrong. Now, the SEC has to go back and review Grayscale's proposal again with the court's ruling in mind. So what's the SEC to do in that situation? Well, Jake speculates here for us. He says one theory is that the SEC will just pick a different reason to deny Grayscale's proposal and force more and long and costly litigation. U.S. taxpayer money well spent, right? That's possible. It's hard to understand the extreme understate the extreme hostility of SEC leadership toward crypto. Will Gary Gensler go quietly in tonight and just say, well, we lost this one. We fought the good fight, but we lost it. What about Gary Gensler has proven that to you so far? Yeah. Of course, some reasons why they could want to now deny this would be custody. I've seen the custody uh, idea thrown around a little bit. Well, the custody is just not good enough. So, yeah, price manipulation, that's a big concern. But, oh, now who, you can't really trust BlackRock to hold your Bitcoin, can you? Of course you can. 
BlackRock's been fine holding Bitcoin. But that might be their next line of argument. Jake goes on. Another theory is that the SEC will take the D.C. Circus decision as a semi-graceful exit from their anti-ETF position. And he says he is in this camp. It's the right move. Basically, the SEC can say we disagree, but we're going to follow the rule of law. It would allow them to have a saving face moment to back out of a losing battle and say, well, the judge has decided. So you know what? We're going to stop fighting it. Here we go. BlackRock wants it. Fidelity wants it. Invesco wants it. Let's we're going to play ball now. We tried. The judges said no. And we're going to take we're going to take the L. And, um, you know, now we're going to be the best regulators of spot Bitcoin ETFs there can be. As he says, there will also be political pressure on the SEC to approve spot Bitcoin ETFs, which is very, very true because it's not just about grayscale anymore. As Jake says, all of traditional finance is ready for a Bitcoin ETF. Everyone's chomping at the bit for it. BlackRock wants it. ARK wants it. Fidelity wants it. Invesco wants it. And other players will get in the water once those are approved. The demand is very, very high for these products. I mean, come on. In 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 a, a, a jello wrestling contest, who's going to win? Is it going to be Gary Gensler or Larry Fink? My money's on Larry Fink, man. Throw those shekels down. Let's get it. Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, will not be told no, is my guess. They have a 575 to 1 track record of getting ETF products approved. They're probably going to get this one approved too. And this, this actually opens the way for that to happen. Jake goes on, Chair Gensler can also spin a face-saving narrative out of a spot Bitcoin ETF approval. The SEC has been getting blasted for its regulation by enforcement approach to crypto, and they have been. They've been getting blasted by the media. They've been getting blasted by uh, a wide variety of politicians. And as he says, again, here's a chance for the SEC to save face and say, look, we're not anti-crypto. We're going to approve the right products. We were wrong. The courts are right. And we're going to approve Bitcoin spot ETFs and then Ethereum spot ETFs, and then Cardano ETFs, and XRP ETFs, and Dogcoin ETFs. Come on, they're coming. They're coming. Okay, maybe we're, maybe we're getting a bit overboard here, but the spot Bitcoin ETF is going to come. Again, whether it's from Jake Travinsky, who's saying sooner than later, it's coming, or Mike Novogratz and his sources at um, Fidelity and his sources at BlackRock who are telling him, look, the Bitcoin ETF is coming. It's a question of when it's coming, not if it's coming. They're that confident. This today increases that confidence. Now, before we get into the rest of the story, if you are a trader, you got yourself an account over at Bybit, it is the best place for trading crypto, whether you want to trade futures, whether you want to trade spot altcoin markets, or hop into some sweet copy trading, they got you covered. Use that link down below in the description. You're going to get exclusive fee discounts and exclusive bonuses for trading and deposits, depending on your volume and deposit sizes, up to $30,000. So check it out if you are a cryptocurrency trader. Now, on the back of this exciting news, we also have uh, Jacoby's Bitcoin spot ETF could be listed in Asia, Africa, and the Middle East after its Europe debut. So Europe's already got Bitcoin ETFs. Uh, they've had Bitcoin ETPs and ETNs for a while, which are very similar products, but they have an official ETF product now. 
and that ETF product, which is now trading on European markets, could come to a wider range of markets very, very soon. Asia, Africa, Middle East. Everyone's going to have a spot Bitcoin ETF, except for America. Mm -hmm. Now, the next dates to watch for, by the way, we are coming up. So this grayscale news potentially clears the way for the rest of the big Bitcoin ETF news. BlackRock's first deadline for an SEC to either approve, deny, or delay their Bitcoin ETF request is the 2nd of September. Bitwise is the 1st of September, Vanek the 3rd of September, Wisdom Tree 3rd of September, Invesco September 3rd, uh, Fidelity September 3rd, and Valkyries uh, September 6th. So in the next week, we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven spot Bitcoin ETF proposals sitting with the SEC, which the SEC has to make a decision on to either approve, deny, or delay. I would not be surprised, but I would be shocked, to be honest, by a denial after what's just happened today. An approval would be welcomed, but I'm not so sure that's the most likely scenario. A delay, we could definitely see that. They've just been smacked down in court. They might need some time to process that. Maybe they'll rush it through, but I don't think they're going to rush it through. They'll probably delay and say, well, you know, with this new court proceeding, we need some time to digest the information, blah, 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 blah. So we're going to delay. The second deadline then moves up to October, the middle of October. Third deadline, January. Fourth deadline, final deadline, March. One month before the Bitcoin halving. Very convenient timing for that, of course, if it gets pushed back that far. I like this thought from Satoshi Flipper here as well. What you guys need to understand is the following. All the Bitcoin spot ETFs are going to be approved. The new bull market has been underway for 10 months since the bottom last November, and all these short-term corrections are only just that short-term and only meant to shake you out. This isn't a bear market anymore. The early stages of a bull market. Hmm. When all those spot Bitcoin ETFs get, get approved, man, things are going to get real crazy real fast in this industry. Ay, 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 ay. Crazy times in crypto. One final note on the, the Bitcoin ETFs. If Grayscale gets approved for a Bitcoin ETF, there is a bit of controversy around that, I would say, because 680,000 Bitcoin. Grayscale, the company, owns a big portion of that. Grayscale owes a lot of money to a lot of people. They may be forced to sell to get money to pay these people off. We'll see if that plays out or not. Also, a lot of people have bought those grayscale Bitcoin much cheaper than the price of Bitcoin is today. They may be looking to take profits when they're able to redeem those Bitcoin and sell them for cash. We'll see how that plays out. Will there be enough demand to meet any potential sell pressure? Possibly. Will grayscale still get front run by these other Bitcoin ETF proposals? Because both of the... Uh, approval deadlines for the BlackRock Bitcoin ETF come before a potential appeal period for the Grayscale case. So there could be that. Grayscale could get appealed. BlackRock sneaks in for the win. Okay. Let's get into the next news here. And um, before we do that, just a quick shout out, of course, to everyone joining on the live stream. I see you guys there. Mike George, will crypto still tank in September? I think it largely depends on the macroeconomic situation that's out there right now. Lots of macroeconomic fears still. And of course, September is historically a pretty rubbish month. 
but you could have a September that's just kind of mediocre where the Bitcoin gains one or two or three percent gains by the end of the month. But a Bitcoin ETF approval, which could come as early as September, could change all that. But again, I'm more in the let's probably going to see a delay camp anyway. Shout out to everybody joining in the live stream, of course. Now, let's move on to the next big section of news here. We have just got some massive, massive announcements coming out here for the entire cryptocurrency industry. And that's coming from Circle, the issuer of the USDC stablecoin, as well as the X, formerly known as Twitter, and a few other interesting charts I want to share with you here as well. But this is how mass adoption happens. We are seeing right now the early stages of a situation for the markets during this relatively boring and sideways accumulation period where we're just waiting around for something big to happen. Big things are happening in the background. Big things that don't have overnight impact. Even ETF approvals don't have overnight impact. Once they get approved, then they have to get listed. Then people have to start bringing their money in. And long-term, very bullish. Short-term, people are probably get overly excited about it. What is interesting, though, is when we see these on-ramps that are going to potentially bring in millions to tens of millions to potentially hundreds of millions of users. So today, it was announced that X is now licensed to store cryptocurrency, to transfer cryptocurrency, and to exchange cryptocurrencies for its users. That is seriously big news. You have to remember that X has over 400 million monthly active users. It is one of the most profit, uh, profitable, is one of the most popular social medias in the world. And it has a very engaged community when it comes to people seeking information on crypto and stocks and investing in macroeconomics. Like, I feel like the, the X audience is a little more onto things compared to the average Facebook user, for example. So anyway, X is going to start rolling out, hopefully soon, of course, we don't know when they're going to start using this license, but Elon Musk has said he wants X to be the payments app where you can come and do everything. You can do your social media, you can do advertising, you can hire people, you can send money transfers from point A to point B. I wouldn't be surprised if X launched a stable coin at some point in the future, but I think we're going to see Bitcoin coming to the X app. I think we're going to see Dogecoin. I think we're going to see Ethereum, probably a few other top blockchains and their assets being tradable and being usable for payments and for buying stuff. What if X introduces some kind of marketplace where imagine you're a creator and you're selling t-shirts. You can just sell them straight in the app. People can buy them straight through the app. Bada bing, bada boom, one click, boom, you're done. Paid in Bitcoin. That's what we're talking about here. And of course, as Mr. Harry Lazani points out, you got to remember Elon was in PayPal back in the day too. So Elon knows about payments. Maybe this is what he always wanted PayPal to be, which is part of the reason why he left and we shall see. But it's very exciting news because these are the kind of stories that really build the fuel for the coming bull cycle. 
Because what do you need to send markets higher? You need new users coming in. You need more money coming into the markets. And this is how you get more users and more money into the markets, as well as the next story, which honestly, on such a big news day with the whole grayscale Bitcoin thing, stories like this don't get as much attention as they should, but this is a seriously large story. So Jeremy Allaire, he is the CEO of Circle. Circle is the issuer of USDC. He said... The largest fintech company in Latin America, uh, Mercado Libre, or Mercado Pago, which is part of Mercado Libre, basically the Amazon of Latin America with 200 million users, is rolling out support for USDC in key markets, starting with Chile. That is huge. Mercado Libre. They've been into crypto for a while, by the way. Shout out to Mercado Libre for being early on the crypto game. They are about to introduce their 200 million users. And remember, crypto is popular in Latin America. Places like Argentina have seen huge adoption. Places like Brazil have passed sweeping laws and seen huge adoption for cryptocurrencies and so on and so forth. 200 million users are about to get access to USDC stablecoins. That is on-chain on-chain. These, again, this is how we see things go crazy because once people get all those stable coins in their hands, the friction for going into Solana and Bitcoin and Cardano and NFTs and all this stuff is reduced dramatically. Add in the uh, PayPal PYUSD, 400 million users, coming soon, coming soon really reminds me of this meme in the midst of it's so over i found there was within me an invincible we're so back we're so back this has honestly been the feeling all year for i think a lot of people in the cryptocurrency industry one day it's so over we're done regulations are going to kill it something's going to collapse something's going to break next day Big news. Oh, we're so back. XRP is not a security. Nothing's a security. China's bringing liquidity into the market. PayPal's arrived. Mercado Libre's arrived. X is going to launch the super payments app with Dogecoin. We're so back. Reality is we are so back. We never really left. It's going to take a while. None of this stuff happens overnight. Again, I really want to uh, hit that message home. But these are the kind of stories that build a massive runway for a massive bull market to happen. Next time, we're not stopping at $3 trillion market cap. We're going to go to $8, 9 $10 trillion market cap. How much gains are going to be had when we move from $1 trillion to even back to three? Massive gains. What if we go to five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten trillion? Very possible with all this traditional finance money coming in, real world assets coming in. Things get real crazy real quick. Before we break down the rest of this, just a reminder, if you're not signed up to the Wealth Mastery Newsletter yet, you got to get signed up. It is the best damn newsletter in crypto. Every single week to your inbox, we are sending you all the latest happening in the cryptocurrency industry, the latest news, the latest altcoin alpha, the latest airdrops that you can make money on, the latest DeFi tutorials, the technical analysis, NFTs, news, and much, much more. Best part is you can join our 75,000 weekly readers by signing up for free. 
using the link down below in the description or going to thewealthmastery.io. See you there. Now, this is a, a, a mind-blowing chart here for me. So this is monthly active wallets on chain. This chart is insane because it shows definitively that we are, well, we're so back, baby, realistically, but it shows something very, very important that throughout this bear market, we have gained users, bear market, early stages of a bull market, this accumulation period, we've seen a massive surge in active wallets, monthly active wallets on chain. So at the peak, basically, of the last market, we got up to about 55 million, something like that, uh, monthly active users on chain. Last month, we had about 110, 115 million monthly active wallets interacting on chain. It's been a little over 100 million for August so far. These are incredible numbers. Crazy bear market. Everything's bad. Everything's going to pieces. Everyone's all scared every time the price drops 3 or 4%. And look at what's happening. We are at basically new all-time highs from monthly active wallets. What? That is not like the previous bear market, by the way. Last bear market, 2018, 2019, we didn't get cloudy. We didn't get super. We, we got close-ish, let's say. We certainly didn't double our previous high. Not even close. So the all-time high monthly active wallets interacting on chain in December of 2017 was like 20 million. And we got back up to like maybe 15 million in mid-2019. But not like this. We're almost 10 times higher in terms of monthly active wallets interacting on chain compared to 2019. And we are again double what we were at the price market peak. And I know, I know to an extent, this is people opening up wallets with farming airdrops and that kind of stuff, but that's not everything. We are seeing real activity going on here because look at stuff like this. This is addresses with balances of greater than 0.01 BTC. So small holders of Bitcoin, small holders of Bitcoin, people with 250 bucks a Bitcoin. Well, we now have 12,280,919 addresses holding that much Bitcoin or more. And that has steadily increased right throughout the bear market. So since the peak price of Bitcoin, where we had 9.2 million addresses. We basically added 3 million new addresses right throughout the bear market. That's a huge increase. Went from 9 million to 12 million. It's pretty big. The amount of uh, people holding their Bitcoin for a year or more, almost just slightly off its all-time high, currently at 68.7%. People are not interested in selling the Bitcoin at these prices, of course. And all of that stuff comes in with the backdrop of what's happening on the macro scene. Current market expectations for the path of the Federal Reserve funds rate. So a lot of market participants are seeing that we're going to see a pause in September, that November could see one more hike, one final 
hike in November. December pausing again with the market currently pricing in the first cut January 31st, 2024. March, May, pause, pause, June cutting once again with moving into the end of next year, the rates getting back down to around four and a half percent. So that mean, that means that we are going to see the high interest rates narrative starting to go away. That as interest rates start falling, more risk on attitude starts coming into the market. And again, it all aligns, doesn't it? Because we're going to have Bitcoin having in April of next year. We're going to have Bitcoin ETFs approved. Rates are going to start falling. Inflation, in theory, might be tamed. If we can have a bull run with inflation high too, we've had those situations in the past. A lot of stars are aligning here for a potential bull market to go crazy. But still, we have all of this fear that does remain in the market. A lot of stuff still hanging over us, and a lot of that stuff is quite valid. And some of these things, if you look at some of the data out of the USA, I mean, some of this data is stuff that has predicted all varieties of insanity in markets and big crashes and all this stuff for a long time, historically. But that's the direction we're heading in right now. Users are up. Adoption's up. New companies getting in are up and so on and so forth. So it's all painting a very bullish picture for the future of the markets. Again, nothing happens overnight. We could have accumulation continuing right into the Bitcoin halving and slightly thereafter. But we will have a new cycle. The only question is when and are you prepared for it when it does happen? Now, let's change gears Let's talk about China. China, I, I, I just think it's so funny because one day China is the greatest threat ever faced by America as a strategic competitor. The next day, China's fallen apart. Well, China is having some struggles right now, but there could be a silver lining to China's struggles. But first, let's talk about what is actually happening right now in China, why a lot of people are... Uh, crapping on China right now and what that could mean for, well, everything. This article from Business Insider, China is doing everything it can to conceal its true extent of its economic turmoil. Read a few quotes out of here for you. The reality of China's blob era pushed its way to the center of the global news cycle earlier this month when the Chinese government announced that it would no longer publish the unemployment rate for young people as part of its monthly jobs report. The final release for the data series, July's numbers, came at a record high of 20.5%. The number had become a global shorthand for China's inability to reignite its economy since the president uh, ended the country's COVID-19 lockdowns. You know, classic governments, when the numbers don't work for you, just stop talking about the numbers, man. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Yeah, pretty crazy stuff, uh, without a doubt. Further on, even as the main drivers of China's economy stumble, there'll be no direct support to households to power through this fragile period. Xi has been telling his people to prepare for a struggle, to be ready to put geopolitical concerns over economic ones for the foreseeable future. Bad news, of course, from multinational corporations like Nike and Starbucks who are banking on 
extended growth happening in China. The struggles that China faces are real economic pain, foreign investor concerns, crumbling demographics. It's clear that President Xi will not bend on his vision for the sake of the country. He'd rather shut out the world. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And of course, all of this Western media attention on China's economic situation and the collapse of China and you know, how long until how long until all of us people over here on YouTube start making videos? China's collapse in 21 days, 17 days until China Armageddon. Coming. <laughs> it's coming. But a lot of this stuff you have to see in the geopolitical realities of what's going on in the world. The BRICS group is rising internationally. Six new countries are set to join in early 2024. China's economy might be going through a bit of turbulence right now, but it's unlikely that China is going to go to zero. Even if China experiences some problems, well, the USA is potentially also going to experience some problems. Europe's currently experiencing some problems. This global situation that's been happening has been affecting a lot of countries and a lot of places in a lot of interesting ways from bond markets to the price of oil to supply chains and beyond. But a lot of crazy happening in global markets recently. But you can't, I think, ignore what's happening with BRICS when you talk about China's current economic situation. From Yuan Talks here, China released a package of measures to boost the stock market. This is pretty interesting. So they halved stamp duty. They slowed IPOs and refinancing, and they restricted major shareholders' stock reductions. China even ordering state banks and funds to buy stocks. You know, things are getting dicey when you're calling up the banks saying, would you guys buy some stocks, please? That'd be great. Thanks. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Spectator Index pointing out for the first time since the global financial crisis, China is set to cut interest rates on existing mortgages. On existing mortgages. That's interesting. A lot of people starting to say that this could be where the global credit event starts. There's been people starting to warn of a possibility of such a scenario that we could have some major global credit event. It could start in China. could start in the USA with the U.S. companies and the bonds and the slowdown in lending and the struggles of the banks and all that stuff. There's a lot of, there's a lot of pieces in the global economy that are not looking great right now. And that provides a lot of um, headwinds towards market pumps and seeing Bitcoin go to the moon and all that kind of stuff. Before we get into the rest of the story, just a quick note, if you are an altcoin investor, if you are someone who wants to find a way to make money on altcoins, but you don't know where to get started. You don't know what the heck is going on with altcoins. Well, we made a great course for you. It's called Mastering Altcoin Investing. It's the course that I wish that I had had when I started off investing in altcoins back in the day, because I know how it is. You get into the altcoin juggle. It's a savage place where a lot of people lose a lot of money. Well, we designed this course to hopefully help put you on the side, uh, the winning side of that trade. We talk about the altcoin basics. We talk about the fundamentals, the, the, the technical aspects you need to understand how to actually find and analyze uh, decent altcoins, the different approaches to investing, approaches to taking profits, uh, psychology of the market, market cycles, and much, much more. You can find a link for that in the description of this conversation, or you can go to thewealthmastery.io slash courses where you can learn more. 
Now back to the Chinese economic turmoil. So this is another crazy, there's so many crazy stats coming out of China right now. China's stocks are trading at their lowest level relative to the S&P 500 since 2001. Yo, yo, that's crazy. As mentioned, China is reducing tax on stock trading by 50% to try and boost the market. Cool. I mean, they're trying to, they're pulling out all the stops here. They are trying to get it so that people are going to go out and ape into the Chinese stock market. They want company valuations to pump up. They want people to support the Chinese stock market because it's been taking some hits, especially after the Evergrande collapse last week where they went bankrupt. I mean, look, everyone had known Evergrande was going bankrupt for a long time. We're all surprised it didn't happen a lot sooner. They finally put the nail in the coffin. It's dead. But that has spread a lot of fear through the Chinese markets. So China's got the tax cuts. When's the last time that China did such measures? 2008. Generally, when you're talking about finance, you don't want to reference like the last time this happened was 2008. Generally a, generally a bad year, 2008. And a lot of people and a lot of signs and a lot of economic indicators are pointing to the potential for some kind of credit event to be taking place or some kind of major financial event to be taking place. And we keep not having it happen. Things keep breaking. The Fed in the USA keeps pushing to break things. China's here trying to reignite its economy, but there's a lot of things that are weighing this reality down. Again, more people speculating, is China on the brink of a credit event? I need to make a whole separate video on, on credit events for you guys and really break down how uh, such events happen and play out and and all that stuff, but holy cow, a lot of, a lot of worry. Again, markets don't like uncertainty. Markets don't like fear. But one thing that markets do like, liquidity, baby. Oh, my liquidity. Yes. Yes, sir. Give me some liquidity. Oh, I need it. I need it. The bankers, the stock markets, they're addicts. They want it. They want it bad. Oh, some more liquidity. I need my fix. Come on. Where's my liquidity at? Oh, and they're going to get it. They're going to get it right now. They're not getting their fix from America. America's not giving them their liquidity fix. Neither are the Europeans. Japanese, they're giving liquidity fixes right now. They're, they're dealing. They're giving it out. But nobody, nobody whips up a good mix of sweet, sweet liquidity like the Bank of China, man. So they have been pumping money back into the market. Last time China started pumping money back into the market big time. Last year, basically uh, late October, early November, China led global markets out of the slump by injecting money. That injected money has so far not had its intended consequences. The reason China started pumping money into the market, they were pumping money into the market because they wanted to reignite the Chinese economy. Hasn't worked yet. Youth unemployment's up. Stock markets are taking big hits. They're calling up and begging banks and investment funds to buy Chinese stocks, please. 
that's not a great sign. So China is probably going to have to print a lot more money. And while, as I mentioned earlier, Xi Jinping has kind of ruled out up to this point doing stimulus checks to people, they may end up having to do that, but China's a big country, there's a lot of people there, that's a lot of stimulus checks, so they may not want to do that. They may choose to provide liquidity to the market in other ways, but China will need to provide liquidity into the market. How they do that, we will see. But rising liquidity out of China does have the potential to put the sales in risk on markets. It can be a little bit of a wind to pick things up a little bit. But for how long? That's a question. With everyone else tightening, of course, we need to see the U.S. stop tightening. The Fed's really, of course, the big question here. When will the Fed start easing in a significant way? When will the Europeans start dumping liquidity back into the markets? They can only have so much economic pain before they have to turn the printers back on. The Europeans are already experiencing economic pain. Germany's in a recession. A lot of the Eurozone countries are dealing with a lot of problems. Big inflation, one of them, which, of course, makes the money printing a harder thing to do because they got themselves in trouble in the first place for printing all this damn money. Still, though, they can't avoid printing money forever because when you look at modern monetary policy, central banks, they print money. It's what they do. And the only question is, when will they start printing a lot more money? China may have to face that question sooner than later.